Hey guys, Rob here. Welcome back to Death Readers, episode two, where Doug and I are going to examine the Sorcerer's Stone chapters four through six. We're still working on our workflow, and for some reason, when I went back and looked at this episode, no intro, just hard cut into the beginning of chapter four. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm fixing that, making a little supplementary intro to let you know what you're listening to. You're welcome. Uh, chapter four, Keeper of the Keys. When we last left Harry, he was on the rock, feeling pretty sorry for himself because he was having a shitty birthday. And there were these knocks at the door. These rap, rap, rappings at the door. Was it rap, rap, rapping or just a boom? I thought they were... He was hearing shit. He was hearing... He was hearing shit while he was counting down. Maybe that's what I'm missing, or misremembering, is that he was definitely like, it's my birthday, in, countdown. And then... 20 seconds, was that? Right, right. 10 seconds, that sounded like feet. Right. So that actually brings me to my first point in... Chapter 4, The Keeper of the Keys. Where I feel like we're once again rolling... She she I feels like she goes out of her way to call Dudley stupid. One of the first lines I actually wrote that down. You wrote that down. Yes. He he says what, what does he say? Where's the cannon? Where's the cannon? Stupid. He said stupidly. stupidly. Yes. Yeah. It, it was one of those things where I I thought to myself, what the hell? Like <laughs> like we start the chapter off and I'm already taking a note because I'm like, why is it stupidly? <laughs> what part of this day for this kid has set him up to be like, you know what would be unreasonable for, for today? On the day where my father rips my family out of the house, drives us across the country on a boat, like to take us to an abandoned island. not going to know where he is when he wakes up. No, of course not. There could be fucking cannons there. Sure. He could be at a like American Civil War reenactment. He would have no idea. Sure. And there could absolutely be cannons there. Maybe not exactly that, but sure. still, like, it could be anything. Also, what if he was making a joke? Like, what if his joke was like, hey, where's the cannons? Like, <laughs> we're all woken up for that loud sound, all right, guys? Like, I mean, it's not super funny, but what if that was, what if Dudley he sucks? He just came out of sleep. Right. Or right. he's just murmuring in his sleep. Sure. No, it's, I, as soon as I read that, I thought, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna write that down. <laughs> um, the only counterpoint that came to mind is they use stupid a lot in England to the point of I've really? imagined myself in England being offended because they put really? out don't be stupid like huh. I don't know was it like I feel like we use or I use definitely uh, like lame I use the word lame a lot right but I mean they, they use it in passing conversation where we might say, of course not, but they would say, don't be stupid. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yes. And, and, and so that could just be a byproduct of that. But I do think she is reinforcing how much she really wants to drive home, how much she doesn't like the Dursleys. Well, I mean, I don't even know how much she does. She doesn't in, in like them as much as it is she wants the audience to, like... Hate them. She wants the audience to, to really feel for Harry's mistreatment. Mm-hmm. But... The way that she's going about it definitely feels a lot more like a shitty neighbor who's talking shit to another neighbor about the third neighbor they hate. Where it's like, oh, God, that stupid kid of theirs. Ugh. He's always asking about the cannon. Like, stuff like that. <laughs> and and that, that's how, that feels how it feels like she writes about the Dursleys, which... 
I don't know. I, I get, again, if you're trying to communicate to a child about how to not like someone or why you wouldn't like someone, but it definitely feels a lot more like just someone who had, like, it feels like it's just someone who had an issue with a neighbor <laughs> just, like, wrote in all the shit <laughs> they hated about their neighbor, the constant peeping over the garden wall and the the kid that lives under the stairs. Sure. I don't know. My, uh, the, the next thing I noticed in this chapter uh, took me off guard a lot. Okay. And that was when, uh, right before uh, Hagrid enters, Uncle Vernon grabs a rifle and, and and I think points it at the door and shouts, like, like don't come in or be warned, I'm armed. Something sure. like that. And that made me think, well, aren't guns really hard to come by in 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 uh, the UK? And then I thought, wait a minute, when does this take place? When did that? When did those laws happen? And what I learned was because oh, I research, I did research okay. for today's episode. The answer is yes. He would be allowed to have that rifle because, for one, uh, it's a long rifle, so it's a sporting rifle. Uh, but also, if we're if if your submission that the stories actually take place in like 1991 yep. at this point, I, I learned today through research that. Uh, the UK's uh, restrictive handgun laws didn't even come into play really until 1986. Really? After the Dunblane Massacre. It was a school shooting where... Oh, they a, actually did something. A, yeah, a gunman killed 16 children and a teacher and then killed himself and th- the UK was like, whoa, n- no thanks. Like, <laughs> let's, uh, let's not have that happen again. Okay. And then this is the even more interesting part because I was thought, oh, that's interesting. They had one gun violence incident that was real bad, and they were like, we're done. Much like, this is, this is how my thought process went, much like as I understand it, Australia yep. did. So then I looked that up. <laughs> Turns out, both of those events happened in 1996. Holy crap. The Dunblane Massacre and the uh, Port Arthur Massacre, in which a gunman killed 35 people, mm-hmm. happened. both happened in 1996. So it's just, it's really interesting how, to me, that that happened in such close proximity for both of those, you know, English-speaking countries. Sure. uh, With with just such striking similarity and such decisive, like, change. And then, you know, not to be too crazy modernly political about it now, but especially in the United States, we have that all the time. And it's incredibly frustrating that there's nothing being done on any level. Right. And I know that this is sort of ridiculous to have this thought come out of reading a, a moment where Uncle Lake Vernon <laughs> grabs a long rifle, but you know, at least I, at least I learned something from Harry sure. Potter. Sure. Um, I mean, it was always my understanding that even before then, handguns were hard to come by, but long rifles. I don't do research right. like a fancy pants. I do watch a lot of movies, and I went immediately to Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, where they were using long guns all the time. Point is, long guns are fine. See, I would have gone to Inception where Tom Hardy's like, dream of something a little bigger or something like that. That's and He pulls no. out an enormous gun. Like a no, because that was a dream. But it was still dream, like, it was probably dream Paris, actually. I forget. But, but it, was, it was dream Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Dreamy. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, speaking of Inception, that's a great lead-in. The Inception of Hagrid. Yes. Because Hagrid We've talked about this, I think. Mm-hmm. The Blackadder Christmas special. Okay. Have I told you about this? I don't remember. Must have. Blackadder, Rowan Atkinson, douche across time. Right. Super douchey. Blackadder Christmas special, inverted. He's super nice, super pushover, and through the ghost's interference, be- ends up, uh, oops, the ghost fucked up, becomes super douchey. Okay. When the ghost of, I think, Christmas past shows up, but maybe present just because of how he looks... 
It's played by Robbie Coltrane, super massive, super bearded, knocks the door down, boom, comes in. Oh, sorry about that. I don't know if he actually said that, but it's beat for beat similar to Hagrid's Introduced, who was then later played by Robbie Coltrane. And it just blew my mind when I saw that. I'm like, did J.K. Rowling see this? Because it's probably like 89 or 90 or even 91 when that came out. And did that inform her creation of Hagrid? I don't even know if that necessarily... I think you're spot on on the specific reference, Mm -hmm. but I think the more you describe it, it just sounds like a really good and accurate description of maybe the inspiration just being, possibly just being a general ghost of Christmas past. Sure. But specifically, that one's really incredibly interesting because I do know she was, uh, you know, famously really involved with the casting of those films and advocated for a lot of different people. So that's that's really interesting. I'd like to see that to see what see what you're talking about. But anyways, that that when I can't read that scene, right, or even see it in the movie without just thinking about very similar, right, already done by him. Yeah, sounds cool. I'm glad I picked him for the part. Honestly, yes. Like I, I can't imagine Haggard. I'm gonna before we even get into Haggard. <laughs> Haggard's absolutely my favorite character. I think in Harry really? Potter. Really? Yeah, I really do. The more I think about it, I, I and I'll get there later. But sure, you know, he definitely is just awesome. But when he comes in, we have another one of those instances where Rowling does this thing where she she uses a, a another really sort of strange animalistic simile. Okay, where she says that his eyes are black like beetles, mm-hmm. and again mm-hmm. it's, it's a- like. Why? <laughs> Who talks like that? Who says, oh, you know that guy? He got beetle eyes. You, you know, the guy. No, no. Two doors down. The beetle eyes. <laughs> it's just interesting because... I forget his name. But his eyes. <laughs> full of beetles. <laughs> That's terrifying. Speaking of Lovecraft. Um, I believe another character is described that way, and it's been pointed out before, too. They're like, are they related? Oh. Um... Cool. It's, it, well, that's an interesting, you know, writing device. It, but well, like, why it's, beetles? Why beetles? Well, I I try to justify these. They're shiny. These questions they're black. They're also a thing that children recognize. They're sure. they're they're a, a, a simile that children can be like, hey, I know what a beetle looks like. Oh, that's really black and shiny, and then yeah. they just move on. Me, I look at it like baby dolphins. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I, unlike baby dolphins, I believe beetleize may stay the course of the series. Oh, that's that's cool. I see another another thought I had was that maybe it was because children who have the the eyes of the innocent, mm-hmm. maybe they just know when they see adults mm-hmm. that adult eyes are cold and chittering <laughs> and black, <laughs> <laughs> and that every adult is is dark and frozen inside. Wow. <laughs> just me? Okay, cool. Got it. Got it. Uh, <laughs> I also liked in Hagrid's introduction how he's he's kind of, in, for a story about wizards, right, mm-hmm. and, and magic, this is like one of those moments where like Hagrid, it, I think, I hope it's intentional, but I really like it, where Hagrid really comes off like a proper magician, where he constantly is producing things oh, from, yes. his, from his jacket, like mm-hmm. he's constantly manifesting things that would be needy. Now, it's sort of justified in the story that he's just like, he's huge, his jacket's huge, he would have a lot of space for pockets. In all this space, but he pulls out essentially most things needed to cook sausages mm-hmm. and make sausages. Uh, but that's something I really I liked. Is it's a nice if you really want to get very gushy about it, <laughs> it. It's it's a really nice sort of way to take a familiar trope about magicians and use that as a, as a jumping off point 
to really get into the magic of this world. Like, so far, we've definitely had a lot of magic. Definitely had a lot of unexplainable events or strange happenings. Sure. But Hagrid is, is I think, maybe the first magical person that interacts with Harry as uh, not a baby. And in doing so, he he does it in, in a way that is actually very magical. And I, I like that. I just thought that was a cute... It's clever. Like, I mean, that's what I mean about being gushy. Is it just like when you... Re- I like recognizing when I feel like someone's being clever or they're actually doing a really solid writing. Right. And I feel like that was definitely that. It's, you know, I criticized her plenty the last episode about, sure. you know, different things she was doing. But, um, you know, from my Tower of Prestige. Another great thing about Hagrid in this moment is that he, he writes a letter to Dumbledore. He calls in an owl and then writes a letter to, to Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Letting, letting him know, oh, I've got Harry, everything's fine. And this is why Hagrid's like one of my favorite characters, my favorite character in Harry Potter, but also just, he's just great, is because he's so sweet mm-hmm. and he's so innocent and so just genuinely a good person, is that he, he takes the time to write out, in this very brief note, a little bit of small talk, <laughs> the weather. a little bit like, the weather's awful. <laughs> I love that. I loved how sweet that is. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I really love that. It's the kind of thing I imagine, like, like, you know, the people that you like, but you can't have, you can't have no holds barred conversations with. You talk about stuff like the weather. Sure. <laughs> and like, I don't feel like Hagrid's that way with Dumbledore. Sure. But I like being like, Hagrid probably wouldn't even see it as a nicety. Hagrid probably wouldn't see talking about the weather as a thing you're obligated to do when you have to make small talk with someone. He would just be like, so genuinely interested in talking to these people who he likes about anything. Sure. That he's just like, oh yeah, the weather. Here's the thing I noticed. Yeah, we're talking about this now. Sure. I, I love that. He's, he's the best. More fat shaming though. Great on, pudding of a son. Oh, great! And they make him a pig. They they turn in. He that's. I mean, that's bordering on child abuse. That especially I mean, he's mad at Dursley. Right. He takes it out on the kid. Right. And then for a, a person who has authority at a school, like <laughs> it's just like saying groundskeeper Willie would be allowed to mutilate a kid in Springfield <laughs> Elementary. Like that's, and we know that transfiguration shouldn't be used on students. Yeah. But I mean. Again, again, I want to stress this podcast will try to be spoiler free, and it will fail <laughs> repeatedly. It's fine with me. We, we both see we've seen the movies. Um, if you haven't seen the movies, mm. read the books. Right. But <laughs> along with us, right? Um, this jumps a little bit forward, but he makes him into a he tries to turn him into a pig, and then he says, "Oh well." Uh, it looks like it didn't work all the way because he's already so much like a pig. Right. Like, that could have been a horrifying half-transfiguration. Even so, even more horrifying when you learn that a few days, like like a month, months later, at the end of summer. Right. At the end of summer, he has to be like, the Dursleys have to be like, well, his tail hasn't gone away yet. Right. We have to take him to the doctor to get it removed. So as, from what I imagine transfiguration works, it's not like he manifested an additional excess of body mass that was became a tail. It was like part of him turned into a tail. That's what so, He squealed in pain. Right. It wasn't like it was a comfortable thing. No, and now they're going to remove it, meaning there's a part of him, a part of Dudley after, let's say that the magic goes away. Sure. The, 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 the spell dissipates or whatever. Why wouldn't it have, after months, I don't know, maybe Hagrid should have finished school. Do you think the skin would rip open? I think he would end up with, like, a... I'm wondering if it was part of his skin. I'm wondering if it was part of his spine that, like, 
came out to finish being a tail. Like, his coccyx comes out all the way and, and finishes being what a tail is, is having vertebra. And, and then by removing it, they're taking away part of Dudley's spinal cord. This is some Cronenbergian body horror and, shit. And then, it, like, a few months later, he, he wakes in pain, screaming in the middle of the night. Let's hope it happens at night, not in school, not in his special boys' school, where all of his annoying friends see him and, and <laughs> watch him... <laughs> And watch him just freak out in pain and writhe and go nuts. That would be horrifying. But like, let's hope that it happens in the comfort of his bed. And then, and then, how do you explain it? And like, can you imagine being in a family where like your child out of nowhere is just in extraordinary, excruciating pain? Just drop of a hat. You're in like battle mode where you're sure. like, I have to take my kid to the hospital. Oh my god, why is there an indent in where their spine should be? Why why can't they walk anymore? Like, <laughs> like, like just out of nowhere. I, I can't. The carefree way that they go around messing with the Dursleys is just. It's appalling. There's more to come in this very chapter. Yeah. Um, but okay. So before we get too far in there, then there's a part at the end of the bottom of page 57 uh, after Hagrid delivers the uh, you know movie famous line you know Harry you're a wizard right which is not the line in the movie no they, but, they definitely streamlined some of the dialogue in the movie but in the in the book it's Harry you're a wizard Harry has this doubt about it mm-hmm. he has this moment of doubt where he's mm-hmm. like I've written some down here but go ahead where he says you know I don't know I mean me like what about all the times I was such an asshole <laughs> <laughs> what about all the times I wished horrible things upon my enemies right. and only minor horrible things happened to them? <laughs> what, yes. what about the time when, you know, I wanted my cousin to fall into a snake exhibit? That's what I wrote down. And it, it went from the glass vanished and oh, isn't that weird to I set a bow constrictor on my cousin. Whoa, you've revised history. Something has changed. Yeah. Because that is not how you felt before, or maybe you're an unreliable narrator. Right. Well, the same with, remember the same with the sweater, where he talks about how, like, well, or, or his hair, he even references his hair. Right. He references how he didn't like getting that haircut, and how he maybe, I guess I willed it to happen. It's like, yeah, n- no shit, Harry. <laughs> like, the, only by the fact that you were so untrained mm-hmm. were, were all these people in your life spared your vengeful wizard wrath. Like, and no wonder they hate wizards. Because, uh, like, all their experiences with this kid just, like, being a ticking time bomb in their house. Like, well, when will we wake up with our son screaming because he doesn't have part of his spine? Because this kid got it through a fucking fit. It's terrifying. Like, he, oh, he's just, he's so horrible. Harry. No, speaking I, very clearly, Harry Potter is a fucking asshole. At least so far, as a kid, he's a bratty little shit of a kid who also seems kind of wrathful and vengeful. Now, I'm hoping that I'm picking up on... I hope I'm zeroing in on something that uh, Rowling intentionally put in there thinking it would be subtle. And then, like, I hope I'm just, like, attuned to assholery and I'm just picking up on it way more than most people should. But, like, clearly this kid is part Voldemort. Clearly. (laughs) Like and at least and maybe that's one of the things that helps eventually inform how horrible Voldemort actually is because you're like well if Harry's so shitty because he has a little bit of by. he's tainted by man and he was that shitty right <laughs> man this guy is the worst Magic Hitler is the worst and justifiably so I think that's all I have for that chapter Wes do you have anything else um on the keeper of the keys no no just Harry's a monster. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, no, that's all I had for the Keeper of the Keys. Now we can move into Chapter 5. Diagon Alley. Which, I'm embarrassed to say, took me maybe three or four books before I found out... And it was before I saw Chamber of Secrets the movie that you could also pronounce it diagonally. Oh. I didn't get that that was the pun, the joke, the twist. Yeah, we should... This is a good moment to talk about uh, Rowling's use of puns. And so, I don't know if it's this chapter, but I think it's this chapter. At some point, she gets into a lot of listing the titles of books and the people... I wrote that down. And the people Let's, who, let's, let's wait on that one. Okay. Well, let's, no, let's, this is fine. This is a good place because... Oh, no, because it is it's in the natural. list. It's in the school list. Right, right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, But, you know, she, she goes in and, you know... Everyone is a pun. Everyone's a Everyone. pun. It's, 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 it's not just Newt Scamander. It's nauseating. It's transfiguration is somebody's switch. Yes. And... There's yeah. one about curses, and it's it's done by someone whose name sounds a lot like like being vengeful. A Viridian Vindictus. Vindictus, yes. Well, exactly. Viridian is a shade of green. Oh, is too. it? And, and Viridian, green yes. Green yes, with yes. envy. Right. It, yes, it, it, it felt a lot like watching Star Wars in a world where there's no sequels, mm-hmm. where you're like, if this was a standalone thing... Like there's some stuff you can wipe away, and sure. you can be like, eh, "Who cares? Throw away, throw away that all the authors are punny. Who cares?" But like the fact that this world gets so big makes me wonder. Like again, just a note for like, hey, any up and coming authors, have a little foresight. <laughs> Don't get married <laughs> to your pun author names in your fantasy books. I mean, I think she probably didn't know her own Power. flavor of. Writing, she said that she would. She's gone back to read the first book, and there's stuff she would change. Oh, I'm sure some of it would would bring it more in line with the tone of later books. Yeah. My first note about this chapter is just that I have a lot of questions about the Wizarding World. Mostly that there's a lot of things that are peppered in the beginning of this chapter that I I know there's seven books. Like sure. I know there's a ton more to read, but there's just questions like where Hagrid explains to Harry that the Ministry of Magic exists to to keep secret the wizarding world sure. from muggles. Okay. And my question's why? Like, I'm sure it gets explained. I feel like he... I mean, that's one branch that goes and wipes muggles, and he might just be explaining it the way you do to an 11-year-old. Because I have certainly oversimplified things for my kid. Sure. But even if that's an oversimplification, why is that any part of what they would be associated with? Why would that be something Hagrid, who is totally trustworthy, Mm -hmm. tell Harry that? Why would he set him up with something that's a mistruth, like, intentionally? I don't think he would. So my point is, it must be true. It must be part of of, of what they do. So, again, my question is, why? What What are the wizards of the world doing that's so important and so extraordinarily significant that they would think of the problems of mortal people, which are pretty severe and significant, uh, as beneath them or bothersome. It's like, literally like hunger. Is this where he says, blimey, everyone would want magical solutions to their problems? Yes. Because isn't that what wizards are doing? Yeah. Magically solving their problems? Yeah. So what's the problem? Exactly. Yeah. Maybe wizards. Good point. I had a odd this is jumping ahead a little bit but there's a problem I had where Hagrid and later other characters don't understand muggle money yes and I know Britain had crazy two of these equaled one of these which equaled three of those which equaled six of those but then that stopped in I think 62 because they decimalized their currency thank you Dr. Who for that knowledge but I mean basically base 10 what's to not understand and I mean, clearly the wizards understand base 10. Right. 
how do you not how are you confused by muggle money I think that's pro- I mean I don't have a good justification for that but my assumption is it's just a funny world buildy thing like it's a funny sort of like but oh, it, that, wouldn't this be cute it, it's cute but it kind of posits wizards are idiots or that wizards are you know reclusive or that they separate themselves so much from regular from muggle society which I think is absolutely something she tries to, to instill throughout the entirety mm-hmm. of the series we haven't gotten there yet but I know at some point Mr. Weasley asks Harry what the function of a rubber ducky is that was in the certainly in the movie it was certainly in the movie he, he delivers it but it might be in the book too I can't well, remember and even in this these few chapters there's a point where Hagrid points to a like a parking meter mm-hmm. and he says something like oh Harry look at these things these muggles dream up Oh, how how ludicrous. And the, what bothers me about that in the world building aspect is that I think what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to help you as the reader associate with, oh, all the things that I'm finding strange about the wizarding world, they might also find strange about our world. That'll put me at ease because it's like, oh, I don't feel so out of place. Like, I don't feel like I'm having such a uniquely difficult time associating with these strange things. Whereas... You know, if you see one of the characters from that world doing the same thing, you'd think, or maybe you'd think, oh, cool. Like, it's, they, they, we're the similar. The other thing about it is that it also sort of shows how little time wizards spend in the muggle world. So, the reason that's significant is because so much of the muggle world is crossed with the wizarding world. Like, to get to Diagon Alley, they literally have to just go to a part of London that regular, you know, Londonites are oblivious to. And Hagrid does a little magic trick and a, and a huge world opens up in the middle of this real world space, implying that wizards can travel freely, it seems. Mm-hmm. Why don't they? Like, why wouldn't they? I mean, are they? is, it, is the magic world that much better? Because if so, now we're really talking about maybe the biggest reason why wizards separate themselves or want to be so separate is because we're really talking about an enormous class system where the wizards may be not even as extreme as Voldemort in deciding that they want to exterminate muggles or mudbloods or whatever, but also there may be a more casual, oh, like passive superiority. Oh, oh you, I mean, yes, you. you. <laughs> You're, you're you're touching on something that is definitely explored. Okay. At least, certainly with house elves. Okay. In a way the movie's never, barely even touched on. Okay. I mean, you saw a little bit in Chamber of Secrets, but Dobby is, and other house elves are all through later books that are not, I mean, the movie barely But definitely, scrapes. like, intentionally. But yes. Okay. Yes, there is a huge... Well, see, that, that hurts the Wizards themselves think of themselves better than other creatures, and then some wizards think of themselves as better than other wizards. Well, and then, obviously, is what I'm more concerned about than that, because I'm familiar with that, is this thing where I'm, I'm sort of realizing that a lot of the good wizards mm-hmm. may think of themselves as better than muggles. Yeah. And... It's like racism. It's like how racism works, where it's just so naturally part of racist to be like, no, I just am, I am better. Yeah. Or privilege. Or, you know, I'm, you my, yeah, my privilege puts me in a in a place where I'm just without even realizing it that you just are better mm-hmm. than these other people. Totally being incorrect, but like you live, those people live their lives like that, and, and I think that the, unfortunately that's what really hit me about this revelation is that that really bothers me about like Mister Weasley. He's realizing that if he has that sort of like you know that like token fascination like that sort of like oh I would I like to dip my toe into muggle culture because it's just it's just so ludicrous it's just so silly it's so quaint oh what a what a treat 
to, right. to try it on and then dismiss it because oh it's I, I, because I have the privilege to because right. he has the privilege to to decide I don't have to be a muggle mm-hmm. I'm better than that even living in a like the poor fucking house that they live in with this way too many kids for not enough money as they make as I think uh, in the next chapter yep. uh, Draco references oh later this chapter actually we're we're here oh is it yeah it's Diagon Alley no 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 Draco mentions it in the train you're right uh, it bothers me it makes me it makes me suspicious. And and doubtful of so many other characters, which may be what it's like to be a person who who doesn't have those privileges in the real world, mm-hmm. you know. And that's a really interesting thing. I'm hope hope that kids can get all this out of it. I hope I'm not like way too overanalyzing it because that's a good lesson for a kids book. Is this idea that like you know whether you're talking about your your skin color or your your socioeconomic status or your gender, gender or your sexual identity or your sexual preferences all of that stuff all that stuff has someone who at least in the way our society is structured has someone who treats those people badly because of those aspects of their personalities or their their self-identity and how and i hope that the kids who read this look at that and say wow that's awful but it is like the real world with privilege where it's this kind of thing where even if it's not an active part of this person's personality or this person's worldview it's still you know, and this is where I have sympathy for people who have a privilege. I hate, hate to say it, but some there's these people out there who are good-natured, good people. Let's use Mr. Weasley again as another example. Really good guy. Definitely puts his line out there for people. Like He puts his, his life on the line for Harry and his friends and everybody. But who just... Is oblivious. He's oblivious. He works... He, he operates on, on his normal level all the time as being superior to muggles. Mm-hmm. And even though that doesn't make him a Death Eater, and that doesn't make him, you know, uh, Lucius, that you can, I don't know, it really speaks to me in a way where you're like, oh, I can relate to people who have to live with people they care about, live with people who they like, who have aspects of their personalities that are really, like, either awful or off-putting or or hurtful to recognize like that. Mm -hmm. And that, but you just, you as the person who may fit into that thing they think they're superior to just have to live with it sometimes and I don't mean that as like oh you have nothing else you can do but I can feel the pain of just having to live with it uh, and how that must suck and feel you know torturous sure and I, I don't know again once again I don't know if I'm reading too much into this sub aspect of this story in this specific chapter but it's definitely informing my, my, my perspective on the world itself and how I mean even even in the next chapter there's a point where Harry mentions how bad to Ron about how bad his aunt and uncle are and, and referencing that like that's not how all muggles are but you know he has to correct himself I believe I think at some point he says maybe not oh all muggles are like that but oh at least my aunt and uncle were right and so I don't know it's I wonder why she had to like I wonder what it was about that that felt necessary I don't I'm, I'm curious it might just be bound, trying to balance his, I mean, his worldview is horrible, horrible, horrible people, but she wants to make sure we understand she doesn't think all people are as bad as the Dursleys. I don't either, but it, it, I don't feel like, I don't really feel like I'm reading too much into it. No. I might be putting a little too much early into it. Sure, but sometimes meaning shows up without you even intending. Well, this also comes again, this entire thing comes after seeing the book or sure. the movies. So. Before, though, we get much further into Diagon Alley. Sure. I do want to touch... I mean, I'm not the first. Other people have talked about it. 
they straight up leave the Dursleys on the rock and take the boat. But they get off somehow. I know, know they get off somehow. You know what though? You know what? I'm going to come back to that later. Okay. At the, at, in the next chapter, I'm going to we're going to come back to that. Um, I promise. Okay. Diagon Alley or the, the Leaky Cauldron? Um, I think it's interesting that the entrance into Diagon Alley is a bar or is a pub. That's weird. Like, well, pubs it's weird are... from an American sense. Sure. Like, from being like, oh, you wouldn't. Why would you take children through a bar <laughs> to get but to? A pub definitely has a different, and it's more of a pub in. Well, with our rooms to let. Especially if you think about, like, again, being... Like look, the, coming from an American perspective, pubs definitely seem more like restaurants you could get a beer in. Sure. Which is not the same as a bar. It does feel America. like a bar. It looks like a bar in the movie, but even before I saw the movie, that the movie captured how I pretty much visualized it when I read the book the first time. Right. And that is a lot more taboo here. Yeah. The first years aren't allowed to own broomsticks. I feel this is a... I don't want to say lazy. Simplified plot device just to make it more special when he gets one later. But he gets one before that. Like, he gets... Wait, no, he doesn't. No. No, I'm thinking of a different film. Not until they have their broomstick lesson. Right. Right. Up. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Still, I think you're... I, it, it, it felt it's forced. Just, it's, yeah. Maybe a little forced. Maybe a little contrived. Quarrel. Done a little differently. <laughs> Which I did have a note on. Um, my, my note really was more just like... He writes that he needs to get a book on vampires, and I, it just occurred to me, like, I don't think vampires are in Harry Potter, except for this. Where are they? I mean, they're you, the books. They, they're, they're mentioned. They're mentioned. They're mentioned, but there is a vampire later. Okay. Briefly, at okay. a party, but there are, there are vampires. See, I, that's okay, I guess. I mean, it feels weak. It feels like weak sauce to have vampires be a thing, but then also barely ever be there. Um, I mean, but I, I, she, she wants to paint a, you're just getting a piece of this world. I guess, but this doesn't even feel like that. This almost feels like... Oh, Hagrid mentions later he describes what happened to Quirrell, why he's so fidgety. Mm-hmm. But, and he mentions it has something to do with vampires in the sure. Black Forest. Right. Which, uh, now is that... That's not the forest outside of... That's the actual Black Forest, right? Like, that's not... In Germany. In Germany. Yeah. Not the one that's outside the grounds at Hogwarts. Correct. That's right. not the Forbidden Forest. That's Forbidden Forest, right. right. Okay. Black um, Forest also, I believe, stretches into Albania, which we know... Oh, maybe you don't. Okay. I don't know. Other people... There's some blah 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 out there. Okay. Point is, unlike the movie, Quirrell shakes Harry's hand here, and that's important. I think. Why is that important here? Because they should they touch physically, right? Right. Because 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 there's a different timeline at work here than in the movie. Quirrell has no headgear, for example. Oh, yes, that's interesting. Yes, that shows up later, and that I didn't notice that part. No, you, well, because it wasn't described. Right. It will be described later. Okay. When Harry sees him later and goes, oh. What but a strange thing! He totally shakes his hand here. When the movie, they that was one of those because he has the term moments. already. That was something I never picked up on. However, one thing I did pick up on in the same moment is how with with Quirrell, people are have no hesitation to bring up Harry's parents' grisly murder in front of him, mm. like to his face. Seems very rude. <laughs> seems <laughs> just seems real rude to to just be like. Oh, yes, of course. Your parents were blown to pieces in front of you as a babe. And then your house was destroyed. Yes, that incident. That, oh, that old yawn. That, that's how it feels. That's how people talk. Because it feels like to everybody else, and maybe this is just the nature of like it being so new for Harry and, and that being so deliberately 
pointed out so often. But it seems like to everybody else, this is like a story they've told around the fire for 10 years. Right. Like, just constantly being like, oh, man, can you imagine, like... I, I think that might be exactly what it is. It's so familiar to them. They're not having any concept that Harry's grown up not reading these books about himself. But this that he's is... not grown up with people going, hey, Harry, the thing that happened, thank you so much, we love you. But that feels like what it would be like to complain about how long it takes to check in at TSA at the airport to someone who lost someone in 9-11. Sure. It feels like that, like, disconnected. Pe- yeah, but people are that disconnected. I guess it's true. I guess that's true. That it just, kind of thing happens. It just, I feel bad for Harry, I guess, because he just... It doesn't feel like it's a few people. It feels like it's a lot of people. I, I, that I feel is completely hand-in-hand hand with the, the wizarding privilege you mentioned a second ago. Yeah, yeah. Man, wizards are just... Maybe wizards are just dicks. Maybe it's not Harry. Maybe they're all just fucking assholes. That's... Man. What a strange children's series. We're gonna make everyone in the world really rude and inconsiderate. Except Hagrid. Mm-hmm. He's the best. But then again, still a child abuser. Note here. Hagrid specifically mentions that all bad wizards have come from Slytherin House. Right. That can't be true. No, it that can't be cannot true. be true. I that's I feel like it's just straight up prejudice on Hagrid's part. Yep, it must be, and I, I'm I, I'm glad that's the justification because it definitely felt more like again, sort of like I think they gave Ron that line in the movie, not a witch or wizard went bad that wasn't in Slytherin. Well, but we know it's not true. No, like, it's definitely not true. Can't be true. Well, not only can it not be true, but we, well, I don't know. That allows for good Slytherin still. It does, but it also points out like a lack of world building at this early stage in these books where like you well I don't th- I don't think it's a hard and fast rule I think it's no I'm... but it sort of I think there's a little bit of an implication in this story that in, so far that this is the only wizarding school like I at don't, this point yeah, yeah. I, I get the feeling that like she hasn't fleshed out other schools like even not 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 even like American schools sure 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 no no I, no, I, I hear what you're saying but like I even just... when you get to like Goblet of Fire and you have the other two schools yeah. show up with their representatives it sort of you realize oh, oh there's other so I, I, I feel it's just, some of it is also just younger J.K. Rowling who can't perhaps tease the bigger world as well as later J.K. Rowling sure but I want to be really angry about it okay because I look sure. at it like we know Igor Karkaroff. Who? No. Not a Slytherin. Definitely a Death Eater. Do we know he didn't go to Hogwarts? We might not know that. Well, I mean... You might be you might be wrong about that. I'm not sure. I, I, I did Google it. Just, I oh, did do a little okay. bit of research. Oh. I looked okay. into it. and Because I, I had two questions. I was like, wait a minute. You're saying Dolores Umbridge was a Slytherin? Turns out, yes. Okay. Turns out, totally. I was like, okay, fine. Fair. You don't think of pink and Slytherin. I get it. No. Then I thought, well, who's other bad guys? And I was like, pretty much everybody I'm thinking of, obviously, is Slytherin. Okay. And then I was like, wait, what about Igor? Okay. Um, not listed anything about that. That's okay. as far as I understand, or from what I saw on the, the Potter I'll, wiki. Then I'll give you, he may have gone somewhere else. Right. But then what about, like, uh, Grindelwald? Grindelwald. Grindelwald. Grindel- Grindelwald. Grindelwald. You know what? I don't know. I don't either. And I don't know even if... I didn't look up him too much because I was like, you know what? Let's just leave that. But he's mentioned mm-hmm. in these chapters. It's a, it's a... What would you call that? Teutonic name? So I would guess he went to that other school. Right. But he shows up in the United States. 
Well, we don't know that yet. I know but that. But everyone was... I mean, Johnny I Depp know. showed up in the United States. <gasps> Doom. <laughs> um... Anyway, that sort of bugged me because, again, you're talking about a character who, up to this point, I treat as an infallible narrator. Okay. And then to have him come out and uh, be just so obvious, again, with all the foreknowledge of seeing seven fucking films. Okay. Eight films because I saw Fantastic Beasts, obviously. And then just feeling like, oh, man, Hagrid prejudice much again but going to that thing about this world is full of prejudiced people sure which is great because it maybe that's this just shows how stupid i am but like you know that must just uh, obviously that's the major point of this film like this I is the major the major point of the whole series or, yeah whole series rather not just the, the film the books and everything but yeah it's, it's obviously the, the main point but it, it kind of gets for pardon the pun but it gets muddled like I feel like with all the the crazy adventure he does, mm-hmm. especially in the films, I don't really feel like I feel more for house elves than I do for muggles or mudbloods in the films. And I don't feel like you're supposed to necessarily. I feel like you're supposed to feel for him. Sure. But I think when you think about how like it, Voldemort's not running around killing goblins and house elves, is he? No, I don't think so. Right. Because they're, they're lesser. They're, they're well, aren't muggles? He isn't. Yeah, but I mean, in his world, he would have... Maybe <laughs> muggle slaves at beck and call. Well, maybe it's more that you can't interbreed with goblins and elves. Maybe, maybe. So, like, he wouldn't even because because you're talking about magic Hitler. You're you're definitely talking about it's his his. As far as I remember, his main thing is about breeding, about not right. wanting to have you know non magic born people right. be around or or interbreed. Maybe he can. Maybe he even further disregards goblins and and elves because and. Again, jumping a little bit ahead, this is just a tangent thought I have. I wonder how he would feel about centaurs. It comes up. I don't know if his opinions on centaurs come up. Umbridge definitely calls them half-breeds. Yeah. Which, again, makes me question or want to know. I feel like it's touched on a little bit more. Is it? Oh, that's cool. I'm excited for that. Um, Anything in Green Guts? No, it was so brief. I honestly thought, like, he talks it up for so long, and then they finally get there, and it was just like, I mean, besides the money being funny. No. The, only, the only thing I have, because it's one of those things that I feel like I figured out on my own and was always very proud of myself, Vault 713. Why Vault 713? Prime number? Well, J.K. Rowling's birthday is the same as Harry Potter's birthday. Oh. Which is July 31st, but that's 713, or 731. But I'm like, wait, but how do they do it in England? They write oh. the day first and then the month, 31-7, which is 7-13 backwards. What? Just blew your mind, right? Tell me I blew your mind. Yeah, man. Totally blown. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I have something about the bookstore. Go to the bookstore. The bookstore, just because I took how you were reading the first couple of chapters and I noticed that Harry gravitated immediately to curses and counter curses. Yeah. Just like, I mean, it, once, once I have the... Doug view on Harry Potter. I'm like, oh, interesting, interesting. interesting I had the same thing, like that. He was just he, of all the magical books of all the things I can do. He also he mentions very specifically trying to learn curses to use on Dudley. Mm-hmm. He says he 
outwardly just says, and I think if you're looking at, oh, this is an innocence of a child. It's if you're reading it, probably read it like, right. like, oh, that's scamp. Right. But if you look at it like, and again, not not even with the foreknowledge of, oh, he is a Horcrux or he has all this other stuff in him right. that is Voldemort related and influenced. Just that's fucked up. Like, for a, <laughs> that'd be like a kid walking into a store and being like, oh, I want to like a young child looking up prank books, but the pranks are all like things that leave people maimed. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is. It or like, oh, you know what a really good prank would be? Take boiling water and place it by someone's bedside. Put their hand in it. They'll wake up. Their skin will fall off their hands. They'll have third degree burns and they'll pee themselves. <laughs> that's not a good prank, Harry. That's torture. I think there's. I didn't write this a note down about this, but I do want to take a second to just say about the shopping that. Once again, we just have great examples of how Hagrid's my favorite. Okay. Just in general, he buys Harry Hedwig. That's so cute. And, and ice so cream. sweet. And but, ice but, cream. But yes, he buys her buys him that like <sighs> Harry's best friend came from Hagrid. Yeah. It's it's just so Hagrid's just the nicest thing. And he and in the book, you know, they, there's a few moments or mentions about Hagrid being like, Well, I'm sure you didn't get a lot being with the other kids or being with the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. But even beyond that, like just being ah, uh, just I just I love characters like that. Like I love characters that are huge <laughs> and hairy and like overly protective and loving and just in general just heartwarming characters. Like like I think of Hagrid like Chewbacca. Okay. Like I'm like Hagrid and Chewbacca are like both my favorite characters. Very, essentially very from, giving, very loyal. Yes. Yeah. And protective mm-hmm. and strong, but also incredibly tender mm-hmm. and gentle and and caring. I love all of that. I love that that kind of cornucopia of a character is my favorite. Um, so anytime you get a character that hits those different Venn diagram elements, that is going to be my favorite. But but especially like you know st- like. How sweet is he when, he's, when Harry's getting fitted for robes and he's standing outside with the ice cream like, I've got ice cream for you, but I, I can't come in. But, you know, when you're done, we'll come have ice cream. That's so sweet. That's so just, I don't know. I just, that's the kind of thing that really almost only happens to children. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of thing that it, it is something adults do for children when they are trying to be nice to kids, but then for some reason dissipates in adulthood. Like, sure. there's just so rarely, not like I, I'm saying like, why is no one out there giving me ice cream? Well, I, I put my clothes on, no one gives me ice cream. It's not just sharing the ice cream, it's sharing the joy. It's not even sharing the joy. It's 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 giving the joy. Okay. It's it's beyond the sharing, because he doesn't even want the recognition. Like, when he buys Hedwig, he's just, Harry, uh, I think there's a moment where they mention, like, he just constantly just continuing to stammer about the thank yous Mm -hmm. and Hagrid's just like it's okay like it's (laughs) I didn't do it for the thank yous Harry like I did it because you need a familiar and you deserve it like you deserve to have something nice and I hope you enjoy it just that generosity and that like again he's fictional he didn't actually do these things but but it's still it's so sweet to see that in a book where it doesn't feel it didn't feel heavy handed it didn't feel forced Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like a hack wrote it. It didn't. It felt like, you know, this is an example of someone who has genuine goodness in them putting genuine goodness on a page for children to read and, and take note of. And I hope, I, again, a lot of reading this, it's a lot of me hoping that kids who read this stuff take that out of it. I think, I think they did. I also hope that they don't take too much out of wanting to be like Harry. <laughs> so far. Harry's getting robes. 
Well, here's giving robes. That's that's. But yeah, he, he runs into Malfoy there. He's drawn yeah, to Malfoy. Malfoy, not on we, the train. Not, not named not, though. Not, right. No. Not, but, but I mean, you knew. You know, it's Malfoy eventually. But sure. it is, I did because of the movie. Sure. But it's like we're just watching it again. At this point, I'm wondering if it's intentionally not name dropped at this moment to give the reader this impression that oh man, this literally could could be anyone. Like this perspective is so widespread. This hateful, you know, classist perspective is so pervasive mm-hmm. that it could be literally anyone you run into could just strike up a conversation with you about how shitty mudbloods are. Right. Well, I mean, it's really stark contrast to the wondrous, wondrous of magic that he's already experienced. Like, this is great. I want to be part of this world. Oh, shit. Is this what I have to be like? Right. Well, and, and the wonder of, of meeting Hagrid and, and experience yeah. the world, the magic world as presented by Hagrid, vastly different if you're dealing with a Malfoy. Mm-hmm. I think that's something kids definitely understand because they have their life at home with their parents and that's the way the world is. Go to school, whoa. These people are sometimes exactly the opposite of I've taught how to be. Right. But again, I also think it's 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 a nice way of, of putting in this little bit where kids... The readers, not even kids, but the audience can look at it and go, if they don't, if they're, if they're uneducated, if they're ignorant to who Malfoy is and that this is definitely him, um, again, just sort of like a smack of like, uh, even, even as dark as a contrast as all, how grateful people were to meet Harry in, uh, in the, in the pub, Mm -hmm. you know, just being like, oh, you're amazing. You're so nice. How, how nice and gracious greeting everybody gave him. And then to the, this other, like, uppity, nasty, you know, other type of person around. Uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's a good little bit of, uh, of writing there. My, my last note in the chapter really is that my favorite so far in the book, my favorite section of this book in terms of just general writing, by far, is when Harry gets his wand. Really? That's amazing. Which is great because the whole chapter is building towards that. It's it's really fantastic. It's such beautifully well done. Like just if there's any part of these first six chapters that's just like actually magical, mm-hmm. that's it. Why is that? I think it's because it's just it's just every every element of it fits into place. It's just so well crafted of like, oh, this guy, he's like this this organization's been around since 300 years before since BC mm-hmm. um, that these people have making wants that, that establishes the longevity of and, and the long-standing uh, relationship the wizarding world has with uh, just existing just with with regular timelines also that it just the way she she makes the experience of Harry getting his wand and having Ollivander be like oh I, I remember everyone and then not not just saying again it's 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 showing not telling right you know, it's it's him being like this is I know you, you know, Hagrid, I know what your wand was, and you're not using it right. And Hagrid's like, no, of course not. Clearly he is. Right. <laughs> but he remembers Harry's mom's wand. He, he remembers her wand. He remembers, he, he remembers, you know, and it's the coup de grace, obviously, is the moment where he realizes, oh, that, you know, Voldemort's, he doesn't say, this is not revealed at this point. Oh, right. it is revealed, isn't it? It's at the end, of, yes. At the end of this chapter, it's revealed that the the, the twin wand, the that the phoenix heart, or the phoenix feather uh, core 
That's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. It was that Phoenix only gave two feathers, and both went into these two wands, and each wand, one went to Voldemort, one went to Harry. And that he's that dedicated to his craft that he would remember even that esoteric of a detail. Like, that minutia mm-hmm. is, is is something that he has access to readily. I don't know, just uh, just the way she wrote it, just the, the, the three or four pages that this chunk lives in is just fantastic. I just really, I can't, I can't praise it enough just for being just a joy to read. Like, it was just a really fun to read these chapters. I wish, I wish the rest of it could be this fun. Mm-hmm. Not like it's that bad, but there's definitely parts in there where you're like, ugh, this is... I feel like she's going to hit her stride. I think so. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it because, like I said, if, if we get a lot more like that, then, then she deserves her uh, fame and fortune. As I say, I <laughs> who has the power to take it away. <laughs> I mean, that's the end of the chapter. Then we go to uh, chapter six. Still not at Hogwarts. Unlike the movie, he goes back home. He does go back home. Very strange. Very not for me. The movie was strange because I mean, school starts September first. Yeah, but in the know. movie, he's shopping on his birthday. Yeah, but we don't know when his birthday is. July thirty first. At this point, we don't know that. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like we <laughs> Vault seven hundred. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, of course. Clearly, <laughs> you know. I did the math. <laughs> but we don't know as the audience at this point. Like it's definitely she. She clearly put it there and made that the case. Sure. But. But yeah, no. He was he was doing his back to school shopping right. and has to go back home. Right. It, it it was it was a little jarring for me because I'm accustomed to the film's narrative, but. I, I liked it maybe a little. I liked it in the sense that he gets to get he gets to know Hedwig. He gets, he gets to know Hedwig. He gets a breather from yeah. Diagon Alley. Yeah. He he can decompress. He doesn't have to just go from that just back into the overwhelming world of Hogwarts. At the same time, it's a little like I mean it's not like he does much. He just hangs out in his room. They're talking about like being there for like two months and doing nothing. Right. Yeah, I uh there's why did there's a mention in there that he he names Hedwig Hedwig based on some book he read that has something to do with magic lore, and then they just drop that and don't tell you what that is. Do you know what that is? I didn't look at this part. I didn't look it up. I didn't research this. I know. There's the musical. Right. That's what I can only um, think of. Which is probably named after something, I'm sure. I mean, she does this a lot. Yeah. Uh, characters are named after... I mean, you could, you could probably... The trivia of the Wikipedia page of Hedwig is probably... Full well, of just answer. every character has... Their name is rooted in something. Right. So you could go into that if you wanted to. I, I have not. We can make that a mission for next time. Maybe, but it's it's definitely a, a part in the book that I feel like was such a strange notation uh, to even write out. I think like. she just wanted to... I think she probably liked the name and wanted to have... This is where it came from. Yeah. Moving on. Because she also wants to establish, I mean, Harry can glean things from books, but he's not the bookworm right. of the series. Right. Right. That's true. This is the point where I do want to come back to leaving the Dursleys on the rock on the island. Okay. Which is that they get their revenge. <laughs> well, they think they do. They Even if they don't... I, I don't think they think they do. I think they're good people. <laughs> you do. I think they're good people, and I think what happens when... So what I'm talking about is they, they, uh, they drive Harry to... Uh, platform nine and three quarters or they don't believe it exists but they drive him they to the train station and they drop him off and you know uncle vernon tr- like helps take all of his luggage out there and he he drops him off and says all right bye kid and then they get in the car and then it's described as they laugh as they leave now here's what i think happened <laughs> i think all that happened okay. but i think the motivations may not be as cruel as the book 
puts. I feel like this is a moment for them to be like, maybe a little, maybe a little bit vindictive. <laughs> Trying to teach Harry a lesson for abandoning them on an island, taking their only mode of transport out. Mm-hmm. An island that had a shack that, as we read, was not great. <laughs> it was pretty Spartan for, like, warmth and, you know, bedding. Mm-hmm. Anything that they had to survive on, Harry basically took with him. Mm-hmm. Real rude. But, unless there's another boat. But I feel like there's only one boat. I feel like there's only one boat. Um, so, if there's only one boat. Then this is them being like, I think this is them trying to teach Harry a lesson mm-hmm. about like, oh, you want to, oh, you think the Wizarding World's like so fantastic? Fine, go. This is what you want, kid. You want to be a part of that world? Go. See what happens. I think they left laughing like, oh, he'll figure it out. And then after Dudley's surgery, came back expecting to find him heartbroken, sullen, like alone at the tracks, like crying maybe, and then be sure. like, all right, kid, listen, just let it go. We'll get Stonewall you. High doesn't sound yeah. so bad. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that would help get this like troublemaker, like because I genuinely think that Harry, while not necessarily overtly responsible for the things he causes, is responsible for the things he he I'm makes happen. Straight. Yeah, and just get him like to shape up. Okay. Now we don't don't ever get to see that. Nope. Because you know, Rowling hates. She hates the Dursleys. She hates the Dursleys. <laughs> Clearly and overtly and viciously hates them. Ugh. N- never misses an opportunity to no. make their life hell. No. Ugh. It's, <laughs> it's so upsetting because it's clearly just, again, for a book about how prejudice is super evil, to have it be so laden with fat shaming and clearly that being the main thing she hates about the Dursleys. And maybe you can argue, you know, oh, no, it's more of their mistreatment of their, you know, nephew. I say no such mistreatment took place. Okay. I see. I question it. I say this is told from a slanted perspective, and they deserve their day in the court of public opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I I am here to give it to them. You're the advocate. I'm their advocate. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, yep. here's the thing. I assume they, the, but they came back. Yeah. To look for him, and he's not there. So here's what I think happened. I think they come back and they're like, "Oh shit, he's actually gone." And then they start realizing, "Oh no, we're his guardians. <laughs> like we're like responsible if if something happens to this kid. And we have no idea where he was. We try to teach him a lesson. Like it's like if your if your kid threatens to run away, right. And you're like, "Go Fine, for it, go. yeah." And then they come back because it's right. like, "What are they gonna do? Right. Go figure it out." I, I did exa- I did that exact thing exactly to your daughter. It was you did that. You were the kid. I, I was the kid. <laughs> I ran away. I went and sat on the porch. Right. In in my funk. Right. Before I came back in. Right. That's what I think happened. I, I think it was more likely but that. But if you do that and then the kid disappears, you're going to feel bad. Totally. So this is what I think happened. They came back and they, they, they started to do that thing you do when you're a panic where you start to instantly try to connect the dots between mm-hmm. different events. And they're like, oh, because the, the, the giant came to our cabin. Right. Broke in. Stole him. Brought him back. Filled his head full of ideas, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Yeah, just like <laughs> filled his head full of crazy ideas. Comes comes back, doesn't talk to us for months, just hangs out in his room with his new bird. Crazy bird bringing rats, dead rats into the house. Ugh, what an awful beast. And then we try to do the responsible thing, give him a lesson. A hard lesson, but a lesson nonetheless. And now he's gone. Only thing I can assume is that crazy giant came back and took him. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the cops. And, and file a missing persons report and be like this giant of a man full beard like give a description and there's gonna be 
you know, wanted posters. English version of the APB. Back of the milk jars that you leave in front of the porch. (laughs) Unnecessary anachronisms. (laughs) Two of them tied into one. We did. I did research. Did you? I know. Yes. I sent you the link. Right. They do still have milk delivery. But it is expensive, right? I mean, it is... Like, well, in 91, it might not have been. It might have been cost-effective at the time. Maybe. I'm just saying, the distribution wouldn't have been the same that back then. Fine. I can see... not anachronism, just well, British. Okay, maybe. It's an anachronism from an American's perspective. It's well, hard. sure. And, and, but that's important for our, for my reading of it, is I can only read it through the lens of, through which I have. And Maybe you should expand your lens. I'm trying. Isn't that what the book is about? Is the book about that, or is the I book about telling fat people they suck? <laughs> Right now I'm split. Could be either. <laughs> stupid fat people. Yeah, stupid fat people. Exactly that. Oh yeah. So Harry, right, mm. goes to Gringotts, gets all this money, sees how much money he has, despite having a very clear exchange rate. Mm-hmm. All that gold he has, and all the gold in the currency that the wizards have, they don't take to the to the Muggle world and use to. Which it would have so, like if it's that easy to come by gold, why wouldn't they be? Buying stuff in the Muggle world and, and living like way better there, comparatively. Well, but they don't need to because they have magic. I don't know, man. It's confusing. Like the the, the social like the way society stru- is structured when you can use magic mm-hmm. brings in a lot of questions that I have about like necessity and like what you do for money and why and all that stuff. Like I don't, I just don't understand why. You know, I, I think it might be a flaw. Like if you if you have a, a sect of people who can just be that powerful, even if all you're talking about is I don't know. There's I'm sure there's some magic that would be in, immensely useful that we see displayed in the, in the stories. Washing the dishes, kind of thing. Maybe um, there's got to be some sort of manifestations that happen, right? Like that they they make something come out of nothing. I think they talk about that and they can't. Okay, maybe that's part of it. Maybe, maybe they there's still ne- need things, and necessity. And they can grow things, but they can't do nothing. something out of nothing. It has to come from somewhere. That's fine. So they make a point of saying that about the food later. Okay. That the food doesn't... You think the food just appears, but it's actually coming from somewhere. Okay. Uh, but he still gets all this gold, right? Sure. So something his parents did earned him this much money. Maybe it was just having, you know... A life insurance policy, which would be really dark. I believe the Potters were rich. I also think they must have gotten rich posthumously <laughs> through heavy life insurance payments because they both died. Spoilers. <laughs> We've talked about this extensively, there's but some, there's some indemnity involved. Yeah. So it makes me wonder though. He gets all, he gets this windfall of, of cash, and then mentions the, the 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 how much money the Dursleys must have spent on him, like raising him. And then never has the thought of, like, oh, maybe I'll pay him back. <laughs> no. Like, maybe, like, oh, you know what I'll do? They would try to get my money after all that money they spent on me. Yeah, exactly. Fuck them. Right. Like, how dare they? How dare what they? evil, loving... <laughs> he does kind of... How dare they do this thing that I'm imagining them do? Right. It's completely in my head. Screw them. Right. Yeah. Oh, but, but he definitely takes that to an extreme here in this chapter when he uh, sort of spoils Ron. And that bothers me. Because there's this moment where Ron and his family, you know, where, where Ron, you know, shows that he has, like, what, four sandwiches, four sandwiches. that his mother's made for him. Right. And, and maybe she doesn't have time to consider what Ron, like, wants specifically in his but food. Maybe they don't have. Maybe they don't have anything else. Right. Also, Harry, with his new vast wealth and, and need to show off and be the center of attention, decides, oh, you know what I'll do? I need a lackey. I'm going to show off and 
and buy this kid with sweets. And so he buys this whole thing of sweets and then just fattens this kid up. And and then they scornfully like discard the sandwiches. Like it's it's in the books that they just the sandwiches were left untouched because that's how self-centered and selfish Harry Potter is and how he his selfishness bled into Ron Weasley in this moment and took control of this kid who comes from a pretty wholesome family, a family that has pride and understanding and works really hard for what they do have. And then this rich orphan shows up and is like, oh, here's a here's a thousand chocolate frogs. <laughs> You're mine now. Right. And then, and Ron's like, well, like, like, I imagine the same thing happened to Crab and Goyle. Mm-hmm. Like, I imagine it was the exact same thing. But for some reason, we hate Draco Malfoy because he's honest. No, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but it, it definitely, like, it... That, that felt that felt like exactly just more to the point of like Harry sucks and Harry's not a good guy. Okay, I feel like it would be nice. I would rather, as the reader, I like in myself that I saw that and I was like, oh, <laughs> his poor mom. Like if his mo- if his mom knew they were just gonna throw that shit away, she probably would be like, well, I mean, I still would make it for him if he was gonna eat it, but I could have saved time and or and and sandwich bits, right, like, right. and not wasted it. On this ungrateful kid and his ungrateful new friend. Because Ron was not ungrateful this morning, but exactly. he's ungrateful now. Ugh. A lot of people are introduced in this chapter. A lot of people are introduced in this chapter. A lot of them boringly. You know, like, Ginny, who cares? She's barely mentioned. Sure. Hermione, at this point, no reason to believe she'll be interesting again. Neville always gets the short straw. <laughs> like, he does. Definitely introduced as being lame. The sad sack. The sad sack who can't find his frog. A question about that, though. There is a mention that you can only bring in frogs, Bat. cats, cats, or owls. Bat, a cat or a toad. No, it's, no, an it's owl. owls, cats, and, and frogs. That's what's listed as one of those three things. And Ron brings in a rat. Right. What? Like, is this more just like fodder for, oh, yeah, 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 you guys, you guys can't have broomsticks. Wink. <laughs> Unless you're rich and, like, you know, self-centered and, like, no one's going to tell you no, Mr. Potter. Ugh. Well, Scabbers has been with the family for years, so clearly he's probably gone to this through you the school before. Been grandfathered in. Grandfathered in. Yeah, it could be it. Or maybe it's just giving you suggestions. These are some of the familiar things that you could bring. I'm trying to think, are there any other familiars that we meet that are, like, not one of those three things. We barely really get any exposure to cats except for uh, you know, Mrs. Norris. I did have a, a note earlier. Is one of those things where Hagrid said cats made him sneeze, but we yeah. never see that ever again. Are you sure? No, but I feel like it. Because there's certainly a cat or a half cat that shows up. Well, He doesn't get sneezy. It's a couple things that happen with cats later in the movies at least, but that's, I don't know. That's what I'm getting at. Well, I mean, Hermione turns into a cat. Right. But I don't think Hagrid sees her when that happens. Hermione gets a cat. Hermione gets a cat. But that's half Kneasel, so who knows? Half Kneasel. Well, if you read the books. I will not, read the not, books. Not the books. The the, the, <laughs> the ancillary books. If you had oh. read Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, oh, Newt Scamander, you'd know all about Kneasels. Ugh. Well, I guess that'll have to be the eighth book. Ugh. <laughs> Newt. That's the cursed child. <laughs> Ugh. I hate it all. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it just seems like one of those details that was thrown in that I'm not sure has ever developed, especially the amount of time he's around. Do you think creatures. if McGonagall was in cat form around Hagrid, would she make his allergies act up? Or isn't a hippograph part feline? Is it? 
Which part? I know it's horse and bird, isn't it? Yeah. I'm thinking of like a... Still, he... You know, the point is... I mean, there's no sphinxes in this... In... in (coughs) Are there eventually sphinxes? There may eventually be a sphinx. A sphinxiation? (laughs) Cool. That's cool. Again, like, I like this illusion that there may be... That there's a bigger world out there. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like so much of it's so barely touched. Bill and Charlie are mentioned, though. And both of their yes. both of their careers come into play later. Yeah. I don't remember exactly who they are in the movies. but Well, I, I, I think only one's shown in the movies. No. Well, what about the one... Isn't in the, the Deathly Hallows there's one that shows up to the that's wedding? That's the one that's shown in the movies. But what about the one that was... Bef- is it the same one who's like the head boy in the first one? They're both head boy. Okay, so we never see Bill. They're both prefects. Bill's getting married. Bill's the one who gets married. And he's played by... So who's the other one? Charlie. We never see Charlie? We see Charlie in the books more. Charlie's the dragon trainer in Romania. He's mentioned more in this book later and more in the fourth book because of dragons. Right. And Bill's the one. They say Africa here, but clearly it's Egypt later because that's where they go visit him and Mm. we see them... Sphinx? Yeah. Um... Um, I, I, this is, this is a, this is a beef of mine with this chapter. Okay. The conception, the invention, and then the widespread execution and distribution of every flavored beans. Okay. I hate this. Okay. I hate that this is spread from this book into the real world. (laughs) It is a cute story idea for children, but it is not a cute thing to give people. Okay. It's a, it's a shitty thing. Okay. I don't like I don't like the idea of okay, it's like that prank gift again. It's like, oh, here Harry, there's a prank about hurting people. What's fun about a prank about like, oh, I'm going to take a candy that tastes like vomit and put it into a bowl of other candy that tastes great and whoever's stupid enough to try this candy is going to get a mouthful of gross. I feel like you're coming at it from a muggle point of view. I am. If wizard children are going to be raised with this and know that that particular candy, unlike chocolate frogs, unlike fizzing whizbees, unlike whatever the hell else, is a gamble. Sure. I am talking about it as someone who has had these, though. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I hate that these this concept resulted in a real-world object that is really used, <laughs> that, is, that is available. We go to the store right now and probably get some of this crap. <laughs> Because she just decided to, on a whim, invent it, and I resent it. I don't know why you resent I it. I resent... I think it's cute. I resent that, like, you could be, you could have these bags of, of jelly beans, essentially, and just be like, neither not realize it, because you don't read, <laughs> or it was been gifted to you, or something like that, or that someone could actually take it, and, like, essentially, it'd spike your punch bowl of jelly beans. I've straight up watched a six-year-old eat a vomit on purpose, and make herself vomit. Not make her so. I mean, she she it took her back. She went, oh, this is not what I thought I signed up for. Though it's clearly what she signed up for, and proceeded to choke <laughs> and then vomit. That's awesome. It was not mine. <laughs> it was not, not your my vomit. child. No, it was not my child. <laughs> but there was a moment of panic where I'm like, oh shit, do we need to call nine one one? That's amazing. Because she was choking, and then vomit happened. See, I'm thinking it more of uh, you know. Viciously, I'm thinking more like as a thing you do to somebody, where like you, you invade their space and and and, and pepper their jelly bean collection with with horrible flavored jelly beans. Sure, and the fact that that's now a world I have to live in <laughs> with with that fear, mm-hmm. I resent okay. and I hate. 
why would you do this? And then even in the book, she's like, they never taste a bad one in, in this in this chapter. It's like, oh, Harry had... Or sprouts. What is sprout flavored? I feel like it's Brussels sprouts. Okay, that's that's the worst, is a vegetable. Not the worst thing it could be. Not, okay, well, of, of In a world where it's every flavor. <laughs> if you want to go to the realm of every flavor... Yes, sprouts ain't that bad. No, even the one where he's like, "Oh, I dared to try the gray one. It was pepper." Oh wow, Harry! <laughs> but they're setting up the joke at the end. Nasty, huh? <laughs> pepper. Cool. <laughs> yeah, just your read of pepper there <laughs> implied so much more grossness. There's there's an infinite world of grossness yes. for, for these things to be. There is, and that they must be they, by yeah. definition of every flavor of every, even if it's just as bad as like. Toe jam or chalk. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Without going too much further into the like spectrum really of flavors. flavors. Yeah. yeah. Like cat food. Nah. I don't want to <laughs> eat that. I don't even I don't want to be surprised by cat I don't food like flavor. Like cat food. No. Or you know what's funny, what would be a better payoff is if Ron got one that was flavored like snails. That would be oh. that would be a really good foreshadowing okay. and better flavor. Sure. Flavor, not like the taste of snails, but flavor in terms of like you know payoff and good feel of writing. I understand. But how would one know it was snails? Maybe the index on the back. I don't think they have the index. I Every flavor index. I think they just have a big old bag. Well, it'd be cool. Wouldn't it be cool if the box, like when you you like have one and you bite into it, and then the box, like because it's magic, would know and then tell you. Here's this flavor. Gotcha! This is what you got. You're chewing it. Like, and it gives you a second. Like, you're chewing it. You're like, oh, God, what was that? And then it, like, is like a question mark, like a white jelly bean with a question mark in it. And then it pulses at you or something. And then it's like, it comes into view. Like like the cards in the, in the frogs, right? Sure. Or, uh, Dumbledore goes away. But this one is like, oh, you just got eggplant. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, gulp. Cool. Sweet. Okay. Just saying, Rowling. You're not. She owes you for every flavor just, of beans. Just saying, it could. She owes me, and it could have been better. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, other than that, we're almost at Hogwarts. A handful, not handful, a bucket full of characters introduced. Right. Bucket full of characters referenced mm-hmm. that we that are important later, but we've only known by name. They cross the lake. Yeah, that's barely a, a thing, though. They barely talk about it. It's so much better in the movie, where yeah. it's, you can really see it and see how like majestic it looks. Sure. Also, not something they do in the other movies. No, well, it's a first year thing. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's always a first year oh, thing. That's Hagrid cute. always takes the first years across the lake. That's how they get introduced to Hogwarts. Everyone else goes by carriage. Hmm, cool. That's why they're always. That's why. That's why. I mean, in the movie, they show you don't think about it, but that's why everyone's already sitting in the Great Hall when the first oh, years come in because they just got there faster. Because mm-hmm. the first years get the big ta-da. See, Hagrid's the best. Just constantly like one, like one upping himself. Finds Neville's toad. He's the perfect Didn't even guy. know that Toad's lost. Didn't even know he's lost. Just like, hey guys, I found a frog. Check it out. Whose is it? <laughs> Longbottom? Get at me, bro. Here's your frog. Okay. I think finally we get to check out Hogwarts. Yeah, that's. I mean, looking forward to that coming up next. Still a lot of questions about how the wizarding world works. Um, oh, actually, there's segments in here about uh, house shaming uh, in there's these chapters. There, there's a little bit of like... Uh, Definitely a lot of dumping on Hufflepuff, mm-hmm. which was really weird. Like, it's just so strange to set up these four houses, have one literally be Evil House, have one be Hero House, have one be, you know, I guess, questionably Smart House. Questionably Smart House or... Goth House. Having having, having Goth House and then having, <laughs> like, just Frump House. Like, that doesn't feel like... I feel like it's, it's pretty... I, 
at the same time, I mean, I feel like from a I've read the whole series point of view, I feel like Rowling has a respect for Hufflepuff, but she definitely sets up that the people in the books don't, which is an interesting sure. setup. Because cause, cause from this point in the book, you're like, she hates the house. She hates Hufflepuff, too. Why is there so much tolerance for this much pre- prejudice? That's what I don't understand. Like, wh- why is it so... I o- think... Why is it okay for so many people to be interested and excited about being in Slytherin because essentially that's the house of, you know, racists. I mean, it just seems like that question can be applied to every facet of our life today. Everyone. I mean, it just... But this is an institution. Like, this is institutional. It's it's like even beyond tolerance. It's it's institutional. It's it's like, oh no, if you want to be evil... <laughs> it's exaggerated. I mean... I guess. Real world. But what, is there a parallel that's in such a... Especially with children or, or like with... Like, it's not like... Even like sports teams, it's not like, oh, obviously one of these is, is all, like evil. But I mean, I mean, it's... I'm trying to... Because, okay, the way these houses are set up is very tribal. It's set mm-hmm. up very much like, okay, if you're here, you're a snake boy mm-hmm. or a, gir- a snake girl. If you're here, you're a raven. If you're here, you're whatever the fuck a Hufflepuff is. No, I know it's a it's a badger. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Hufflepuff. But, like... Uh, or, or you're a griffin, right? But... Or a lion? A griffin? Is it... It's a lion. Is it and a lion? I believe Ravenclaw symbols an eagle. Like, is it's it confusing, eagle? yeah. This is so arbitrary it's, and nonsense. It's wise and a raven, which are smart. You know, you think of yeah. raven, poe, smart, yeah. talking, eagles don't talk. Goth. Goth. <laughs> goth house. I totally was... I, yeah, I was sorted into goth house. Goth house doesn't get enough attention in the movies. No, oh, we, we shouldn't talk about sorting yet. No, it's not. That's the next chapter. Literally the next chapter literally is the, the sorting chapter, hat. Yeah. But... Uh, which I haven't read, so we can't jump to there yet. But again, just just I don't I don't get it. I don't get why I want to get it. And when I say questions like that, when it's like, oh, I don't get, it, I'm not like condemning it. It's more like this is what the book's thing is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you have questions that it will eventually answer. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think that that's that's the place I'm coming from with it. I'm hoping that she addresses this. I'm hoping we get to a point where we where I am satisfied and and, and the. I representing the audience, you know, get to the point where we can look at it and say, oh, it's it's tolerated because it's part of a larger bureaucratic system that is uh, it is it's not just institutionally like allowed, but it's also sort of cultivated and and encouraged throughout these different practices. But it, it just feels like, again, coming from a place of having seen the films, like so many people seem to be put in danger by the classism and racism of Voldemort's followers, primarily people from Slytherin, as Hagrid mentions. And, and keep in mind that that's a fourth of the people who are trained in wizardry, mm-hmm. and not even the full fourth, but like a segment of the fourth. Right. I just don't understand why there isn't more protections for regular non-hateful people or why there's not more institutionally like institutional condemnation of these people like even now we're talking about like in the last few years we've had some pretty horrible things happen with like alt-right but i mean and act- activists and activities but even then we still have lots of like reputable people coming out and saying nah not okay and but i think it's also pointing the finger that when a fraction of a fraction of society can rise up and do horrible things and it takes a long time for people to go wait no that's not okay we have to mount a defense and by then often it's close to too late and that's kind of what the book's calling out yeah i heard stephen fry say something recently about or he didn't say recently, i heard him say something recently about how that's kind of what happened in germany in uh 
with the rise of the Nazis was essentially you, you sort of institutionally tell people that they are better than other people for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. then they believe it, and throughout that throughout that period of time when they believe it, they begin to normalize taking action against them and victimizing these people and, and subjugating them or hurting them, and that those actions become normal until you get to the point of being like, well, why don't we just do away with these subhumans? Right. Why don't we just get rid of these people who aren't right as good as us? So maybe that's yeah, maybe that is maybe it's again maybe that's what we're witnessing is this sort of and like, all the people who say no, you can't do that. Get oh, you're gone. overreacting. Right. Well, maybe even before that, right? It's, it's dismissed. It's you're a crackpot. You're overreacting. Right. It's disturbing parallels now. It does, and it, and it's yeah. <laughs> I wish people read more. <laughs> well, I mean, the Harry Potter boom. Everyone, there are studies saying that. Those kids, and we're just waiting for them to grow up because they're the ones who are going to save the world, right? Well, even Ugh. I don't know, dude. That's twenty years ago, right? Were we just talking about Shut that? Up. Like those kids are the ones who should be marching and like, like you know, fighting the good fight. And it's it's getting heavy. <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, it should it should no. get heavy. It's it's the world through Potter. It, it should be. I don't know. I, I feel like these books. Part of their appeal is their apparent rereadability. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we're getting a lot of people who are constantly reading this book. I, I don't say that because I, I think of the book, and I, I'm not saying I personally revere these books as some sort of like pinnacle of modern literature or anything like that. What I what I think is that they're definitely wide read, mm-hmm. and so if if something's read that much, hopefully its themes and messages and undertones are digested by the audience. I mean, translated into eighty languages. As of today, oh yeah, is that was that the was that the, the, the Scots one? Yeah, it's the eightieth eightieth book. Do you have that in order yet? You're going to get that. I'm, I'm going to get it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I hope the audiobook is done by somebody from the movies who is Scottish. That would be fun. Would I don't be. know if there's going to be an audiobook, but I sure hope there is. Who would you want to read the audiobook? <sighs> Let's say there is one. Let's who do you want to read? One. I don't know. I I just because I've heard and he's not in the movies, but just because I've heard him read a Robert Burns poem fantastically, I think Brian Cox would be amazing because his Tam O'Shanter is fantastic. That's cool. I think that's all I had. Yeah. For these chapters, I mean, the next chapter we have the Sorting Hat. Mm-hmm. We finally have gotten to Hogwarts. I mean, I think we can. I feel like next chapter I'll be able to really say we're in Hogwarts. Yep. Because this one they just get off the boats and that's pretty much the end. Nah, it's not. That's not proper Hogwarts. No, it's not proper Hogwarts. We're not you don't even see floating candles yet. Nope. No, I don't even know what that is. Haven't even met uh, Albus. Yeah, we have. No, we haven't. First chapter. Oh, it's true. Well, Harry hasn't. Not really. Okay. Do we talk about the thing where he talks about uh, well, the, well, Dumbledore's baseball card calls, mentions that he has a partner? Is that too much read into that, or is that specifically like... No. That's... that's Or, yes, that's too much read into that, okay. because that partner has a wife. <laughs> Dumbledore only had, had one true love. Oh, good. Good. Although he's mentioned in that card, too. Well, that's all I got. Okay. Then we're signing off. I guess we can re-record some sort of sign-off. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's just like, uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bye.